Hi, everyone, and welcome to Fashion Decipher. My name is Sean Williams, and today our guest is one who is extremely, extremely talented in finding vintage pieces. I am like a big fan of vintage shopping and thrifting. And when I came across her and I was so enthralled by just her full aura, um, everybody welcome Melissa Carter. Hi, Melissa. Hi, how are you? How good, are you? Good. Can you just give the audience a little bit about your background and how you got into like vintage and thrifting? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Originally, I'm from Highland Park, Illinois, and it's really kind of a suburb tucked outside of Chicago. And it's, it, you know, as much as, you know, it's, it's, it's very, in, a, in, in one word, very boring. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was young, I always knew that I was different and how I might, I'm not the best illustrator and I'm definitely not the best, um, you know, when it comes to art, my art really kind of, laid in fashion and because in my neighborhood it was so kind of cookie cutter so very you know standard gap standard abercrombie it's just those styles didn't resonate with me so mm -hmm. in about fifth or sixth grade um i asked my mom to take me to the city to go vintage shopping or to explore stores in the city is what i kind of remember mm -hmm. and my mom had a, has a history of just taking me to garage sales and um you know county sales and as a child when i was you know one through ten that's extremely boring mm -hmm. but as i got older i was able to reflect on the uniqueness of items that she found there and i kind of wanted to explore a, what city stores had to offer. So when I went to the city, you know, that's when Urban Outfitters just kind of opened. I really liked the aesthetic of that store. I loved the diesel store. And then I remember on the same block, there was a store called Hollywood Mirror. Mm. And Hollywood Mirror was actually my first vintage store that I have ever been into in Belmont, on Belmont in Chicago. So I was able to kind of just go through rows of vintage and some of the styles that I was looking at that, you know, at the time my mom was not going to invest in, I was able to find for obviously 50, 75% off retail. Mm -hmm. So then that's when kind of my passion for vintage uh, was born. Mm, I love that. We have that in common because um, my mom really huge vintage antique thrift person and mm -hmm. um you know as a kid like you said going into those those spaces we're like it smells in here and girl if you smell yeah. awesome. like why yeah. are you in here <laughs> like why can't we go somewhere else like you yes. know we just didn't want to be there but it wasn't until i got a lot older and i was understanding clothes and liking clothes that i was seeing she was picking up like name brand things for like 12 dollars and I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, <laughs> yes. where did you find this like Gucci belt for like $12, like and vintage Gucci? I'm like, where did you find? She was like, oh, I went to the thrift shop in like Cedarhurst in Five Town or the Upper East Side. And I'm like, what? So now I started to go with her. That was like in my, I want to say late teens, early twenties. Mm -hmm. and, and Melissa, as you know, you're well acquainted with the city, you know, mm -hmm. in the Upper East Side, they had like really great thrifting. And it was like three great shops there at the time. Yeah. Two are gone. Um, yeah. like Memorial Sloan Kettering, um, yep. Cancer Care Thrift Shop, which is still there. Memorial Sloan is closed and Arthritis Thrift Shop. So we went in the eighties all around to the three stores back and forth, finding things, going through every single rack. And yeah. just the gems that we have found. And I've, you know, come, gr like, grown to love it. So I definitely understand you on that, totally. Yeah, there's something about, you know, vintage merchandise or things that have been worn. It's the type of energy that they carry that a retail store 
can never provide. And there's mm -hmm. a level of storytelling of items you find. So, um, you know, quite recently, and I know this is kind of getting off of the question, but I was thrift shopping in Chicago and we went to a thrift store and I found like this, these really just like stunning kind of performance wear. Oh. And, you know, when I walked in the store, I, you know, tried on some of the pieces and then I learned that they were actually the original clothing from Eddie Clearwater, which is one of the top blue singers in Chicago, has run Grammys and, you know, has so many accolades. So I was moved to buy the piece because A, it was inexpensive, but then it was almost like kind of keeping his spirit alive. Mm -hmm. And when I got in the car, I was like, well, you know, who is Eddie Clearwater? So I Googled him and then I started listening to his music. And usually I'm very good about like steaming and washing, but that's a piece that I say, you know, I still kind of feel his energy on this. I'm not washing it. Right. I think there's I a level of when someone says, where did you get that? There's a level of storytelling that vintage allows you to do. And it allows you to really kind of reflect on that time period that when you go to those fast fashion stores, that that is just not, it's really kind of just buy now, wear now, throw it out, destroy the environment. Mm -hmm. There really is no storytelling through the pieces that you see today. Absolutely. And, and just the detailing in the work of that time. The piece is phenomenal. Exactly. <laughs> like the stitching. And, you know, yes. my mother has this thing that my sister and I always say to her, she always goes, let me feel the material. That's like her thing. Yes. <laughs> when she has to that's, feel that's the material for everything. My mom. my mom will flip a hem in a second. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like yep. you, know, you have clothes like that from vintage shops. Like you, you come, uh, you come to, you know, love the, the fact that there's such great detail and workmanship in those yes. pieces instead it's of getting high. something from, like you yes. said, a fast fashion shop that like rips after you wash it. Yes, exactly. So exactly. like, let me ask you this, Melissa, like what is like, how's, how, how is your method when you go into these shops? Like, how do you know how to target the right piece? How do you, are, is it a feeling? Do you go in there and look for a, certain, a particular thing that day? Like if you say today, I'm looking for things from 1980s, I'm creating like a decade moment, or do you go in there like looking to source particular things or you know it when you see it? So I do a couple of things. So I have a very eclectic style. So, you know, as I was thrifting when I was younger and I was just kind of dressing myself, I would just buy, you know, extremely extravagant pieces that, you know, could be borderline costume. But as I kind of progress in my business, I actually shop with um, my clients in mind. So sometimes right. I'll and I'd be like, that would be perfect for this person. Or I see some jewelry and I said, this person will, would love to have this piece. So when I send off each piece or when I purchase each piece, I kind of go through my Rolodex of people and they haven't asked me to shop for them. You know, mm -hmm. some people, I, I have specific clients that do, I do do a level of personal shopping for, but some of my clients don't, they don't ask me to shop for them, but I'm always thinking of them. So I use that and I ha always have that in the corner of my mind. And then when it comes to just kind of, I think the best thrifters are people who know what the trends are today. So I am a magazine junkie and I go through the magazines and see, okay, Cardi B is wearing this on L. Let me go see the entire shoot. And then when I go into the thrift store, I always have that in the back of my head of what the editorial that I just read or just saw. And I try to source pieces based off of what I'm seeing in magazines. Oh, I love that. Because everything right now, you know, it's 2020, everything has been recreated. There's mm -hmm. very things that have really come from 
um, someone just being creative. I, when it comes to kind of, I want to say mid-tier. Now when it goes into avant-garde and luxury fashion, very different, but even then they're always, fashion always starts with a blueprint and the blueprint is always in thrift stores. It really is. I love that, Melissa. You're well, actually absolutely right. Yeah, I look at magazine articles. I look at runway shows. I look at um, some, there's really some really good articles on LinkedIn that a lot of people either write and they, you know, quite recently they said denim is dead. So mm -hmm. it's like denim is dead. So I'm not going to buy into it mm -hmm. because no one's going out anymore. So I really kind of pay attention to what's going on in mainstream media and in fashion. And I kind of curate my thrifting based off of that sprinkled with client suggestions in my own style. Oh, I love that. That's a really good, like, a method to have. I, ne I never thought, you know, I, I look at magazines and I look at Instagram um, and I look at what people are currently wearing, whether it's like red carpet or what the trends mm -hmm. are. And I never think to look at it like and go to the thrift store to get that. I always think like, okay, how can I recreate that in like um, mid-grade uh, shopping places or find it online or find it in fast fashion? I never think to do it the reverse. And I think that's a good idea. I'm going to try that. And you you may not get the same silhouette, but mm -hmm. the same textures are there. And I use kind of that methodology of, you know, looking at editorials and that's how I style my shoots. So when it comes to, you know, taking the pictures and putting them on the website, even if it's my 10 year old son taking them, um, I look at how they were shot and what that photographer is trying to get you to see, mm. be it texture, be it style, be it color. So I do take a very creative approach, but I do do a lot of um, market research before I just say, I need to have a photo shoot or I want this uh, photographed. I love that. I love that idea. And you know, Melissa, how do you, like when you shop and let's say you do find a gem and let's say you do, uh, if it's something that you found that you source from the ideas you got from a magazine, how do you know what to keep? Like what's good when you vintage shop? Like how do you know it's a good piece? So I, when I vintage shop, I actually don't look at labels first. Mm -hmm. What I do is I just search for texture. Mm -hmm. And I will obviously have an empty cart and then I'll just go through rows and I'll just pull texture first. I usually do um, jewelry first because I think it's just, you know, sometimes when you have an idea of what jewelry you're getting, you can kind of curate a collection based off of that. And then when I do the clothing, like I said, I just look for texture and then I go through each piece. So mm -hmm. I might have a cart of a hundred things, okay? Then I find like a quiet corner in the Salvation Army or wherever I'm at and I'll hang each piece and look through them. And I'll try to style with what I have, um, what I've pulled, I'll try to style with it like in the thrift shop. So if I have, five jackets, six dresses, and I'll say, like, how can I get this to be a, a cohesive statement? Mm -hmm. So I'll go through and I'll pull. Now, I, when I go through each piece and I decide what I like, I then look at labels. So obviously, if it's something Gucci, that's being kept. Mm -hmm. But I'll look at labels, and then I'll do, like, a small research session. And this is when I'm in the thrift store. Like, who is this designer? When did I last see it? Who was wearing it? Then when I figure that out, I also look at quality. So at that point, I probably edited 40 pieces and now I'm down to, let's say, 60. Then I'll go through and I'll find like a, 
part of a thrift store that has natural sunlight and I'll hold every piece up to that light to see if I see like any stains or anything crazy, that eliminates a lot of pieces as well. I check for holes, I check for like, you know, dry rotting, anything. And then that's when I kind of edit down my pieces. So maybe now I'm at 28 pieces. Right. So it's a level of, you know, yes, just kind of knowing what you want. But I also think that, you know, part of what I'm seeing was missing from thrift shops is a level of curation. Mm. When I went to Paris, most of those thrift shops are curated extremely well. But I think what, 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 we, what I don't see enough of in the United States is like really curated thrift. So Europe, like I said, when I went there, I went to a couple of thrift stores there and, you know, everything was by color. It was uh, merchandise in a way that was wardrobe where I feel in the U.S. everything's just kind of like thrown and it's almost like, you know, back to when you're in five, fifth grade and you have to dig. Yeah. So what I, if and when I do a pop-up shop, that's kind of how I want it to feel. I want it to feel like thrifty chic where I'm marrying high-low brands and taking it back to vintage and thrift. I love, you know, that you're so right. I'm thinking as you're talking and you're saying that, I'm thinking of all the thrift stores I've ever been in and it's literally literally just hung up by like a category. So it's just like jackets, mm -hmm. jeans, and you really have to, you know, my mom's a rack looker and I'm not, I'm like scanner of the room, but um, that's how I don't find the thing she finds. But um, yeah, you have to dig. Yeah, you really, you really do. But if, if it's styled in a way, and, and, and why am I listening to you think it's not done that? that way like why do you think well i think it's just because you know unfortunately when when you think of a thrifter you think of someone who may not have the means to afford right. and unfortunately i think when you're in a financial situation where you can only afford a two dollar top and five dollar jeans people don't put enough attention on making it look nice because they just feel that you're not used to nice things so why should we merchandise this for you so i think you know, A, I like to make my stuff extremely affordable because I don't want to sit on it, one. And two, I think going into a thrift store that is overpriced, even if it's like a vintage store that someone does the exact same thing I do and you know, it's like, girl, you got this for a dollar. Why $300 for this? <laughs> I just feel like it's like, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's really um, unfortunate. And I think that's why more people don't thrift is because they don't want to dig, nor do they want to pay those ex insane prices. I want to make it so that the average girl who is a regular girl, doesn't have to be a supermodel, can go in and feel like she's special. Right. So I do that from the experience I create all the way down to the packaging. I don't care if you spent $8 with me, you could have spent it anywhere else. You are still gonna get that gift with purchase if I have one. You are still gonna have a tag. It's still gonna be steamed. It's still gonna be given to you in a, you know, a plastic envelope so that you can feel that you've made the right decision in your purchase. And especially during these times, when people spend money with me, half of the people who shop with me are unemployed, which means that they are going into their, um, they're going into their uh, unemployment to shop mm -hmm. with me. And whenever you get something in the mail from any fast fashion brand or most brands, what I've learned about being in luxury retail for so long, it's really, it's presentation, 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 and it's quality in everything you do. So I, that is one thing that I really hold high with my brand.
You are so right. Uh, two things. You dropped a, a complete gem when you said that you talked about the psychology of why they don't care about um, oh, they, yeah. merchandising, uh, you know, visually merchandising the, the store. You're absolutely correct. And I never, I've never thought of it in that manner. Um, two, you're absolutely correct. Uh, like every piece should feel uh, like something, like a gift, like you found like a treasure. Yes. Um, and, and just presenting in that way. And I'm, as you said, working in luxury, all the years that I've worked in luxury, packaging, packaging, packaging um, makes all the difference in the world. If it didn't, yes. Louis Vuitton wouldn't change packaging every so often. We wouldn't mm -hmm. know the Tiffany blue color. We wouldn't know the um, Cartier red, like, you know, or the bottom of Louboutins weren't be red. So that mm -hmm. type of, you know, signature makes people come back. Even the new Bottega Veneta, like their, their packaging is beautiful with the green and the beautiful. Yeah, to me, correct. I'm trying to recreate the feeling and emotion that the piece got, gave me when I found it for the person who purchased it. Because I only carry one style, you know, just because it's digital thrifting, it's still a feeling that you came upon a treasure that nobody else has. And to get to know that what you, what you found, what you thought was special, was given to you with such quality and detail even further says, you know what, I am so glad that I found this, even if someone else found it for you and you're just purchasing. So I just think it's important to make your customers or your clients feel special. I totally agree with you. And you had mentioned something about like pricing and mm -hmm. how do you know, like when something is overpriced or reasonably priced, like how do you know the difference? Is it when you do your audit, when it comes to the fabric, like, how do you know? So, you know, obviously you find like sickening gems in a thrift store. Like, you, you know, do. if you find Oscar de la Renta wedding gown and you know that that piece was, has, you know, it's a collector's piece and things of that nature, you know, I almost don't sell those pieces to, you know, just kind of my clients because I do know that it's collectors. Mm -hmm. However, what I do do, because I do get a lot of just dope things, I'll say, okay, I, I do a sense of market research where I see the last price it was sold at. So let's say I find a vintage Gucci suit and let's say I see it on a, a, like first dibs for $500 or I see that it's sold on eBay. The last selling price was 400. I try to do 30 to 35% less of what I've seen, where I've seen it. Mm. Because I think that what makes people come back to you because they say, okay, this is this price. I also think if you don't do your market research, when people try to, you know, wheel and deal with you, which is fine, that's just thrifting, mm -hmm. that you can say to them, well, you know, this piece is honestly 550 and I have seen it sold for 440. So 315 is actually an aggressively lower price than what the piece is worth. It gives you a leverage for when people do try to kind of undercut the price. Because then you know that you know that you have a price low Mm. and that you know that you're giving a deal right right so you control you know how it you know how it actually you actually pay or how you charge someone correct correct and uh, if a person without saying my prices are the best is giving a person a level of respect for like oh this girl knows her stuff she's pricing it low because she's pricing it to sell and again i think in these times there's so many places that people can go and Unfortunately, you know, some people who do shop fast fashion, they can get the same look, even if it's a reselling at vintage, they can get it for less if it's, you know, if it's bought on sale. So you have to make, we live in a, 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 a sale culture, like people want the best price. You see that on Poshmark, you see that on eBay, you see that, you know, when 
fast fashion does those great sales two times a week or three times a week, we have trained the customer to think sale. Yeah. My thing is, I'm not going to train them to think sale. I am going to train them to think, you know what, she has the best prices. Right. Very different. Very different. Right, very different mentality. I mean, they know like, okay, I'm going to get something quality because Melissa is going to take her time to actually go through the pieces. And mm -hmm. I also know that she's going to be fair. It's not yes. that she's just trying to profit. She's actually fair with me, you know, according to how, what the, the piece is worth and according to what I could actually purchase. Correct. Correct. I love that. And, and what, Melissa, how, how do you feel about like the rise of uh, secondhand shopping again. Like I know, um, right now, so many people are it's secondhand market is almost as big as like luxury market. Um, yep. with so many brands like co-signing, I just think now Gucci did a deal with the real, real and yep. they're selling through them. And then you have, um, uh, what is that fashion file? And you mm -hmm. have all these different places that people are buying designer things like for hundreds of dollars less, very close to original price. But how do you feel about the popularity of secondhand shopping now? Do you think that like interferes with vintage? Do you think vintage is going to get there again? Or how do you feel about that? Um, I think, you know, there's always, there, there's a revival of vintage, you know, I think every year. I mm -hmm. think that it's gotten even more revived is because you do have these selling platforms where people are going on Poshmark and Depop and, you know, whatever, you know, heroin, grailed, because it's a level of income, right? Mm -hmm. So I do think that's part of the reason. I don't also think that thrifting and the thrift culture is a state of mind. Mm -hmm. So yes, things can be hot for some people and then they can trail off. I've been thrifting since seventh grade. So I've seen the thrift revival go up, down, up, down. I don't really think there's a competition. I think it's how are you innovating the experience? Right. Anybody can go to a thrift store and do the same methodology that I do. They can check mm -hmm. for tags. They can do this. They can put stuff in the cart. Anyone can do that. It takes a level of patience and innovation to make yourself stand out. I'm not doing anything different than the girl next door may be doing, but I think that's why bringing in Friday Night Style Live, there's no thrifter doing that. There's no thrifter bringing in um, and marketing their brand through styling in the moment and styling on the dime with thrift and higher end. Another part of my business is I clean out closets. So mm -hmm. some of the things that I sell on my website or during Friday Night Style Live, I'm making a passive income from someone else for someone else who just either lost their job or just wants to make money overnight. Right. So what I do is a level of cleaning out closets, thrifting, selling some of my own pieces, styling. I have stylists come in and use my pieces um, for, you know, photo shoots or whatever. But I think it's the level of innovation. Like, how are you innovating your brand? And that doesn't just go through thrifting. That goes with everything. So what's next? What are you doing differently? Yes, you put it on Depop and you put it on a hanger and you're selling it. However, Melissa is actually having a full-fledged photo shoot and having an Instagram page with her personal Instagram, with her wearing the pieces, linking to another page where you can actually buy the piece that she just wore. So most of all of my pieces I've worn before. I wear them for a day. People say that's dope or I'll put it on my Instagram and then you can immediately buy it right after. 
Let so me tell I, you that Friday Night Style Live, I, I will, <laughs> I'm encouraging everyone to take part. When I tell you it is an experience, she is not lying. This woman, I, Melissa is such like a mood and I'm like, I had to get my mother on. Like even my mother was like, oh my God, I love this piece. I love this piece. A mood, Melissa, just a mood. And then you have, you know, you have your mom also helping you, which just, you know, made me like smile. Cause you know, my mom and I are very tight and shopping is like one of the things that we've always done together. And just the way you work uh, the pieces that you have on and you also, you know, read the comments and you, you incorporate that with telling the story. And I just know you do such a great job. It is an experience that everyone needs to take a part in. I love and it. it. It's so funny. So including people in my Friday Night Style Live has, is very new. So I've been a gypsy for four months now. And what I mean by that, I, I obviously live in New York. I live in Brooklyn. But one day I was like, you know what? Let's drive to Chicago. That's where I'm originally from. Mm -hmm. And I thrifted. I've been thrifting, been in thrift stores and been really focused on just getting hot stuff and cleaning out closets from here, from New York to Chicago. So I thrifted in uh, Pennsylvania. I went to Indiana. I went to Ohio. I went to, um, I go into all of these just suburbs outside and in Chicago, outside of Chicago. And in doing that, in order to keep my costs down, because, <laughs> you know, she's a new business, <laughs> I've been staying with family. Okay. So the first month I was staying in the city. And then the second month I stayed half the time, you know, that was with my cousin and she came in my Friday Night Style Live. I had like my friends from college who live in Chicago. They were like, we just kind of want to see it live. So they were, walk they were in the room watching. Mm -hmm. And then my friend, who's also my lawyer, she got into the Friday Night Style Live. And then my cousin she would go in. So I'm noticing I can see a pivot in my business where I would basically go into someone's home mm -hmm. and have, you know, sell their stuff. And then also obviously sell my stuff, but having them be a part of. So my mom, that was something new and it works because I'm, uh, you know, I have a small frame. So when someone sees my stuff and they're bigger than me, they're like, you know, she looks good in it because she's this size. So when one of my top clients whom I've never met in person, Michelle Mickler, I see on her Instagram that she is a different size than me. So putting it on someone else gives her the confidence to purchase online. And I think just also doing it with family allows people to see the importance of, you know, family and the importance of investing in your family. Yeah. It's like, because it, it's like, is her mom on there? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like, I can't even tell you that that relationship, just watching the two of you and, you know, her mom's name is Hildy, if, if I can mm -hmm. you know, say that. Um, and just yeah, really call out to her and she comes. It, it just, it just reminds me of my mom. Like, it just, I don't know. Like, I just had a moment there and I was like, oh my God, mom, that's like us. And I just think that it's such a great, and just incorporating your family and even friends, like you're building a community, not just like, hey, it's all about me. Because the one thing about social media is that, it, you know, it's very narcissistic. It's very yes. egotistical. And sometimes, you know, when people only focus on themselves and not other things, you know, it just gives that feel to it by you bringing other people in just shows you that A, your personality, B, how, you know, there's a community backing you and then you feel like you're a part of it. So like when you watch Friday Night Style Live, like, I feel like I'm there. Like I'm part of Melissa's family. I feel like I'm part of the crew, you know, and well, I think it's great. 
Yeah, and I think there's a level of importance about calling out the people who are small independent businesses as well that are watching. Mm -hmm. Like all of my friends, I believe strongly in promoting your network. Like I'm, if you are on my network and you are doing something and you are a new business owner or an independent business owner, I'm gonna call you out. Like everybody, you need to follow this person because they're super dope and this is what they do there's a level of come on come on i don't even know how to say it. there was a le there's Camarie? a level of, yes come on thank you like, <laughs> sorry there's a level of that that i think that is missing in fashion everyone yeah. is so against each other when it comes to independent brands and i think right now being a person of color we have to support other people of color period you're great you're green black brown yellow we have to be a united front when it comes to businesses and investing in our community. So if I see someone jump on and if they may have some opportunities in their marketing, I'm going to call them out. I'm going to say, you need to follow this girl. She's, she, she gets it because she's following me. I'm following her. This is kind of our underground tribe. So anyone who is on is in the tribe. And if you have a business that you want to advertise, it takes literally five seconds to say, go to this person's website and it's back to me. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're gonna have, I have so you do that. Body. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't know what that could be for them. It could be life changing. Yeah. It could be the difference of them being able to pay their life bill. You would never know people's situation, especially now. No, you're absolutely correct. And, and like speaking of Friday Night Style Live, Melissa, like how do people shop it? Like how does it work for people who might be interested? Okay, perfect. So how it works is, so when I'm in New York, I actually, you know, as a result of COVID, before Friday Night Style Live and before everything, I was um, the district recruiter for Coach. So I recruited for all of the seven stores in Manhattan, eight stores when there was still a Madison Avenue store. When COVID happened, Coach unfortunately had to, you know, term a lot of people just because a lot of businesses were becoming leaner. You know, if mm -hmm. to be honest with you, if I wasn't terminated um, from Coach, I would probably still be at the brand. Love the brand, love the people, love the brand. But it it took me saying, "Girl, you gotta go. We can't afford you anymore." <laughs> For mm -hmm. me to really just focus on my personal brand that I've had since 2013 and just never have done anything with. Mm -hmm. So with that said, being a recruiter, a lot of the people that I recruited to that brand, you know, I just felt a level of responsibility. Even though it had, I'm not COVID, I had nothing to do with, you know, coach becoming leaner. So I actually have hired people who worked for coach to be my independent contractors. Mm. So the girl who's my right hand, she used to be the assistant manager for the coach store in Columbus Circle. And I've taken her everywhere with me. We've worked together for about five or six years. I just recruit her, she'll go with me anywhere. So when she lost her job, I said, you know what? I need an assistant, I need you to help me. So she helps me with all the organization. She actually takes all of the orders. Um, so as I'm in Chicago, she's running the Depop and Poshmark business. She's also, her and her, I, after meeting her, I met one of her dearest friends who's a project manager. She is creating the framework to my business and we're all women of color. 
She's creating the framework to my business because she's a project manager. She knows how to populate SKU numbers and she just has a level of organization that's insane. Mm. So now they're in New York and they gave them the keys to my apartment before I left and they're treating that as an office space. So when Friday Night Style Lives happens in New York, they're in Brooklyn and I'm in Brooklyn, but they're in their homes. They're writing down each order and creating invoices through QuickBooks so that you guys get your invoice that same night. When I let them know I was going to Chicago, it was first supposed to be a one-week trip. And then I was like, you know what? There's no rush. <laughs> I'll stay to December. Mm-hmm. They are actually watching the show with you guys and taking every single order and then sending you guys the invoice. So after Friday Night Style Live, we get on the phone and we uh, reconcile all the invoices. So I pay them you know, a weekly amount. This is before we knew what was happening with unemployment. Mm -hmm. I was told my, you know, my assistant was very scared because financially she's like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I said to her, I will be paying half of your rent. I just need you to work for me. I'll pay you week by week and you will have half your rent in the till. How you find the other half is up to you, but I got you. Mm -hmm. So if you are going to order and be on Friday Night Saturday Live, what the rules of the game is this. This is a positive kind of shopping experience, but it's also cutthroat at the same time. I put on a piece and if somebody likes a piece, then the person, if someone likes a piece and they just want to buy it straight up, they just say mine. Now, if someone's asking questions about the piece, like, oh, what's the fabric? What's this? And someone says, oh, I'm taking it. It's theirs. Because if you don't know that the piece is dope, I'm not going to explain it to you. Somebody Mm -hmm. else sees it as being dope. So it's theirs. When that happens on Friday Night Style Live, the person who's doing the most shopping, I will direct the live and I will just style that person. Mm -hmm. So let's say you buy a jacket. I'll say, okay, Shauna, you could wear this jacket with these really fierce pair of jeans. You can also like put on a brooch. You can necessarily attach a scarf and then you could do this, this, and this. And then when people start seeing how I'm styling it, then other people will shop off of your style. I love so that. at that point, you'll, you get an invoice, and then I actually put on every single piece. I shoot every piece, and I put sold on it mm-hmm. on my Instagram shop, IATCP now, so that people can see. You know when you buy something, and you get it in the mail, and you need that instant gratification, like you want to see it, you want to yeah. just so. I do that so people can say, you know what, that's why I bought that piece. Look at how she styled it. It's super, super dope. You can shop on Friday Night Style Live, but I do thrifting probably about, I go thrifting about probably three or four times during the week. So I'm always in a thrift store. So when you called me yesterday, I was in a thrift store. (laughs) I'm always looking around and finding stuff. Some people will say, hey, if you see like any jackets, let me know. Mm -hmm. And then I'll do personal shopping on that end. So some girl was looking for really dope gold accessories. So I was driving, saw an estate sale, went, and she got, like, she didn't join Friday Night Style Live, but I put stuff on social media and she bought everything. So I do do that as well. So Friday Night Style Live is like the fun, but there is a level of personalization after the show that I do that you guys don't really get to see, Mm -hmm. um, but that I do. So like which I love. I love the whole, I, I love how organized and how detailed all of this is. Like Melissa, it's just, it's amazing. So people get a sense of shopping from like any store, but like way personal. Um, oh, yeah. I think the one thing, you know, everything has gone 
virtual. And I'm definitely a people person. Like even people would, when I was working in retail, people were like, oh, why are you working in stores? You know, you could do this and this. I actually just love people. I love networking. I think there's something about human contact that, you know, is just amazing. And I think, yes, everyone's shopping online, there's no level of human contact. So how can you shop with someone and not get COVID? <laughs> how can you <laughs> safely and still have a level of human contact? And it's on live. It's on live and it's making yourself available. Anyone who DMs me nine times out of 10, I will talk to you. I don't think that I'm holier than thou. Anyone who DMs me, I think anyone who has the confidence Anyone who says, you know what, I'm just going to do it. Let's just see what happens. I think it's a blessing. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, you don't know what it took for that person to ask you something. You know what I mean? Like you might be, I just think I'm M Melissa Carter, but someone else may say, you know what, that's my role model. That's like that. You don't know whose lives you can touch just by saying, yeah, I'll do it. Or yeah, let me get that for you. Mm -hmm. That's all right making yourself available to your client base and making making it interactive and having you know still following covid mandates this is the best way to do it is through live and through personalization and melissa how do people hire you for do you do virtual styling like for people personally let's say they just want like a one-on-one -on -one. um do yes. like how do they get in contact to do that with you so they can um email me at melissa at iamthecarterproject.com and that's project p-r-o-j-e-k-t mm -hmm. i do do personal styling i do do personal uh closet cleaning i also buy you know again for a good price i also buy people's closets so i am actually working with this really dope stylist who is um moving and she has like 11 boxes of vintage that she's selling at one price. So I do buy people's closets as well. Um, so I, I, I mean, I don't like to limit myself. And I know that's like, as like, as a business owner, you should have all the services you offer. But I think anytime someone asks me, hey, do you do this? Sometimes I don't do it. And I just say yes, because it's like, well, maybe I want to. Who yeah, knows? You never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I maybe I want the experience so that I can say no. You know what I mean? So I just started buying people's closets. That's a little bit difficult virtually because, you know, the steps in that is like, okay, show me everything in a video. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't need to be like a blog video. Just literally take your phone and grace along your closet so I can see what you got. Mm -hmm. And um so it, that, I do it that way and I do a, a lot of social distancing pickups. So at the height of COVID, um, I was traveling from Brooklyn to Jersey to just all different places, picking up people's clothes, almost like how the Salvation Army does, but I was mm -hmm. doing it with, you know, um, people I used to work with or people who just had, who, whose closets really inspired me. And they, you know, people who were a little bit more scared of what was going on in the pandemic, they would just leave their clothes outside and I would pick them up and I would give them a contract via e-sign and then I would take the inventory, wash all this stuff and things like that. So there, I've been working and doing, um, just selling Friday Night Sell Live Something New since I want to say March. This is even before I lost my job because something told me that I was probably going to be let go and then I needed to pivot into my business a hundred percent. And the only way to do that with thrift stores being closed was going through my network and getting their clothes. 
You're right. Like, you know, I can't stress enough. And I know you're a big advocate of that. You have said it like networks is such a good resource because you just never know when you might need or tap into that. That might, you know, change the whole course of your career. Oh, it could change your whole. It's, it's happened to me a couple of times on LinkedIn. Um, it's happened to me a couple of times through Instagram. You just never know. You just never know where people are at in life. And sometimes when people reach out to you, I think it's like, I don't mean to get all crazy, but it's like, that's oh. like, that's like, that's a sign. Yeah. I totally agree with you in that. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I saw you, I found, you know, if everybody's interested, I found Melissa Card on LinkedIn and I saw a post. We have a mutual uh, LinkedIn connection and uh, the person liked it and wrote something. So it ended up in my feed and I'm like, oh my God, this girl is so dope. I saw like the red lip and the shortcut hair and I'm like oh my gosh so then I go to her page because now now I sound like a stalker but I go to her page (laughs) and I see the video and I play the YouTube video and she just talks about like why she like why vintage and you know why she fell in love with it and really told a story and it struck a chord with me so I inboxed her and she responded yep yep I think it's super important and then after talking to you last night and just you know kind of giving you some in the minute mentorship and then you telling me things that I should do. You just never know. Yeah. You never know. You absolutely. So like, Melissa, let me ask you, like, what do you think the value of vintage is? Cause you know, that's what uh, the name of this episode, what, you know, the value of vintage, like you were saying has to do with storytelling. It gives more people uh, a way to like theme their closet. Um, I know I spoke about this before you worked at coach, uh, which Bonnie Cashin was like a, a designer Love. for coach. Right. Yeah. And Love. I saw the, the, the video from last Friday Night Style Live when we were watching it. You talked about the difference between Reed Krakoff and uh, Steve Averis, and I agree. And, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now they have reincorporated a lot of uh, cash and pieces. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you follow Cash and Copy on Instagram, and she talks about like the inspiration of Bonnie Cash and throughout fashion. Like, do yeah. you look for some of her pieces when you go? Oh, I have several of her pieces. Um, So her pieces are really hard to find in thrift stores, but you Mm. can try to find them, you know, on like digital marketplaces. Bonnie Cashin is probably one of my favorite creative directors because she, um, she was a costume designer in New York and she was just well before her time. Any Cashin piece you can wear then, you can wear today. And Coach, obviously is a dope brand before Bonnie Cashin, but she's the one who introduced women's wear and the turn lock and the, the, the bucket bag that your mom's carries and the vibrant color. And no, there was no such thing as like key thobs, so to speak. I don't even know if they called them that. She created all of that. The mo- not the monogram print, but just having a high quality bag. And the fact that she was the, one of the first female creative directors in a fashion house, I mean, that's amazing. It, it's all of it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's amazing. So I think the value in vintage is knowing what you have and being able to stand out for less. I think that's the most important thing that vintage offers. I also think, you know, when it comes to sustainability and just kind of looking at what's happening in our landfills and people finding, you know, brands, tags and jungles because no one's dumping them properly. I think we have a commitment to um, the world to wear our clothes longer. No, <laughs> I mean, no, absolutely. It, I, I'm not gonna sit here and say, I have never bought something from a fast fashion place, but it takes me, if it's not like a staple black turtleneck, I'm not buying it. No, I totally agree with you. I, you know, the only thing I'm, we did an episode on uh, sustainability and fashion and it, it is a big problem, even so much so that, 
uh, brands like H&M are trying to find ways to like recycle vintage, uh, I mean, denim jeans and recycle, uh, you know, cotton and some of the things that they make. Um, they're trying to start a program to be more environmentally friendly. Mm -hmm. And so I, I agree with you. The things that I did buy from fast fashion tends to be like uh, basic t-shirts, like things yes. that are close to the body that you're yes. going to end up wearing enough and throwing out. But when it comes to like outerwear, I just don't like, you know, it, like you're saying, like vintage shopping gives you a way to buy at a certain price point, but you're also keeping the environment safe. It gives yes. you that duality. You're standing out for less and less means less money, less water, less dye, less emissions. It's you're truly standing out using less across the board. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And even like the health of the workers. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely correct. Melissa, you are, I can't even tell you enough, like you're a gem. I'm so glad you, you know, responded to my, my uh, inquiry. Um, and just to come on Fashion Decipher and just really give people a way to, to understand what vintage is about and maybe just start to explore that area of retail, you know, instead of just the normal way of shopping, which people consider the normal, the everyday way of shopping. Yes. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. You know, I look forward to working with you and I look forward to lending you some pieces yes. <laughs> <laughs> when the world opens up or when you decide to do, you know, a face Zoom call. I really um, think it's amazing what you're doing. And I think, you know, I think that your pivot is strong and, you know, I, anything that I can do to support what, what you're trying to do, I'm here for it. Oh, thanks, Melissa. So how can everyone find you? I know you said um, I am the Carterproject.com. What about your Instagram page name? Um, and yes. I will list all links everywhere, but just to give if people who are listening, they can in the moment look it up. Sure. So my like lifestyle page is I am the Carter Project and uh, Project is spelled P-R-O-J-E-K-T. Mm -hmm. My website is www.shopiatcpnow.com. And if you want to shop in the moment, my Instagram is, you can DM me through my shop Instagram, which is again, shop IATCP now. And most of those pieces you can buy online, but if they're not online, you can DM me directly and um, purchase from there. So I'm always available. So you can just purchase okay. um, straight through me. Okay. And this, this episode will air next week, Wednesday. So right before Friday Night Style Live, what time okay. does it normally come on? So Friday Night Style Live has changed in time um, temporarily. We're starting at 7.30 and we're ending at uh, 9.30. So it's two hours. But when I'm in New York, I actually start later. Mm -hmm. um, and I will let you guys know because I don't want to confuse you. So it's 7.30 to 9.30 and that's going to be um, central time. So in New York, it would be from 8.30 to uh, 10.30. That would be New York Eastern time. Okay, so I'm going to be there this Friday, which is when we're recording this, and I'm going to be there next Friday. And this okay. will be up so everyone can actually join to get the experience as well. And Melissa, thank you so much again for being on Fashion Decipher. You are a gem, and I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye.
Hi guys, it's Sean. Make sure you visit our website, fashiondecipher.com, to get a visual on what we're talking to you about. Check out pics from events, of guest speakers, and exhibits. If you miss anything we post, you can visit our archives page. Also, while you're there, hit that subscribe button. Leave your email, and if you like, a comment. Tell us what you think or what you would want to hear on an upcoming episode. Don't forget to follow and friend Fashion Decipher on social media. Check out what we're up to. Speak with you next week.